on the tree. The tree is 15 meters tall. I think you should go first this time. Well, <laughs> like my initial answer is going to be crazy, but I'm going to say, are they big hearts? Small hearts? Something like that. 26? 26, mm -hmm. okay. 26? Wait, how big are they? The, the tree is 15 um, meters tall. Okay, and the hearts are like... I, I don't know, something like this. 26? Oh, never mind. No, you can't Small. even see that. <laughs> it's a tree in winter. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to say a, a summertime tree. Let's go for 500,000. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let's take a look at the answer. Oh. That was at 359. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're both way off. <laughs> That's okay. Well, let me explain the meaning. Okay. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? It isn't often that Taiwan's National Museum gets a new branch. But this year, it's getting an entire new complex in Taipei. This was long the center of Taiwan's railway network, and so, fittingly enough, it is to be home to a new museum dedicated to Taiwan's rail history. After nearly 30 years in the making, the new museum is set to open in late April. As final preparations for the opening of the Railway Ministry Park Museum get underway, I've reached out to its parent body, the National Taiwan Museum, for a sneak peek. We start with a look at where Taiwan's rail system has come from. It all started in 1891. Taiwan was by now a province of Imperial China's Qing Dynasty. The empire was faced with threats from the West and Japan, and so for the island's governor, Liu Mingchuan, technological upgrades were a priority. Under his watch, Taiwan's first railway was built, a line stretching around 100 kilometers between the northern port of Keelung and the northwestern city of Xinju. Engines from Britain and Germany were brought in to serve the line. One of these, an 1887 German-built engine, was named the Tungyun Hao, or the Galloping Cloud, and it still survives, encased in glass, in a Taipei park just outside the museum's main branch. Then, in 1895, Japan took control of Taiwan. It soon set about extending this line southward, connecting most of Taiwan's big towns along the west coast. This line was finished in 1909, and once it was done, passengers could ride from Keelung up in the north all the way to the port city of Kaohsiung down south. Japan had an ultimate goal of ringing the whole island with a circular train line, but it would not achieve this before its rule over Taiwan ended with the end of World War II. In fact, the dream of ringing the island with a circular rail line would have to wait until 1991, when the last southern loop was completed. The building where the train museum is to be housed has witnessed most of this history. Already in 1884, 
the imperial Chinese governor Liu Mingchuan, the man behind the first railroad, had set up a building on the same site, called the Machinery Bureau. There, hired British and German engineers worked to supply Western-style armaments. Only a wall from this building remains. But from this point, its connection with Taiwan's railroads become more direct. The site became home to the Taipei Railway Factory, where trains in need of maintenance could come in for repairs. Then, in 1919, most of the site was cleared for a new structure, the future home of the museum. This was a Tudor-inspired, half-timber affair called the Traffic Bureau. It has a brick exterior on the first floor and a timber exterior on the second. Through the years of Japanese rule and beyond, this would become the nerve center of Taiwan's railway administration. It was only in 1989 that the building was left vacant as the Taiwan Railways Administration moved its offices into Taipei's main station. The building was declared a historic site in 1992. Many neighboring structures followed, and some of these will be part of the museum too, coloring the grounds outside the main building with a bit more history. At first, there were dozens of these outbuildings, many also belonging to the railway administration. That was why, when the National Taiwan Museum took over the property, it was faced with a bit of a dilemma. These buildings came from many eras, and they were in different states of disrepair. A few had really begun to suffer water damage from leaks. The museum consulted with professors to determine which ones were worth trying to save. The rest were demolished. Meanwhile, the main building spent years under metal sheeting designed to protect it from the elements. The National Taiwan Museum already knew that it wanted to use this building to tell the story of Taiwan's railways, but it was years before the funding came in to actually do it. The budget only came in in 2013, and a quick restoration campaign was launched. In addition to the restored main building, there are seven other surviving structures. These include a World War II air raid shelter and a Japanese-era cafeteria for railway workers, inspired, it seems, by German timber structures. There's even a 1919 washroom that gives some insight into a very everyday part of life in the past that certainly gets overlooked a lot of the time. It's been a long path, but the main railroad building and its neighbors are finally ready to welcome visitors for a tour of the railways of Taiwan's past. The branch's first special exhibit is still tightly under wraps, but we do have some information about the other exhibits the museum plans to offer. The permanent exhibit aims to physically transport visitors to the stations of yesteryear with recreated platforms, ticket counters, and even seats salvaged from real retired rail carriages. As in other parts of the world, old trains can be a source of nostalgia in Taiwan for those who remember them. Evoking that feeling of the good old days seems to be this exhibit's main goal. But what about the kids, those who've never seen old trains like these? Uh, 
the museum has a special section for them that explains how steam engines work. It's a hands-on type of an exhibit, and since many adults probably haven't seen a real steam train in action either, it might be a good place to get some idea of what exactly drives these early trains. After many years under literal wraps, the museum is almost ready. And for those curious about the buildings that have emerged from behind the metal sheeting, special guides are available twice a month to give special sneak peek tours. Taiwan has taken good care of its railway heritage. And in addition to the railway architecture we've talked about today, it's got quite a few other historic railroad gems ready to show off to the world. And what of Taiwan's railways today? Since the island-wide loop was finished in 1991, Taiwan has introduced fast train services. It's electrified lines and even built a high-speed bullet train, the equal of any other in the world, down the west coast. There's talk of expanding it, too, across to other parts of the island. Meanwhile, a growing number of cities here are home to metro networks, with Taipei's in particular crossing big distances. From just around 100 kilometers of track served by a slow steam engine, Taiwan's rails have come into full maturity. With the opening of the Railway Ministry Park Museum late this April, more than a century of rail history in Taiwan will at last be presented in one place for the first time. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Hello and welcome back to Stroke of Light. Today, we will continue our coverage on Homage to Masters, a collection of paintings and sculptures created by Mr. Shi Jinhua. Mr. Shi is a highly respected artist based in Taiwan who is well known for his performance art. Although he has changed the medium in his latest exhibition, he is still exploring the themes that he often explores in his past works, such as the lengths and significance of a person's life 
and how one can measure and better comprehend that meaning. In last week's episode, we saw that Mr. Shi has taken inspiration from some of the most well-known artists in history, and recreated some of their renowned work in his own way. But among these artists, no one else arguably gave him a bigger creative boost than Mr. Alberto Giacometti, a late Swedish painter and sculptor. Who is widely credited for pioneering abstract expressionism in sculpture at a time when most of his peers were still focusing on realism? Shi has expressed his admiration for the journey that Giacometti has taken in his life by recreating a famous photograph of him climbing the Alps when he was young. We looked at that in last week's episode, and this week. We will look at how Mr. Shi pays tribute to Giacometti by actually recreating one of his famous sculptures. Like I said earlier, Giacometti is well known for abstract expressionism. That means that the sculptures that he creates are not much like the real-world objects and persons that he modeled the sculptures after. Instead. Those sculptures are more like a physical manifestation of Giacometti's thoughts and impressions of the subject matter. One of Giacometti's most representative artwork is a sculpture called Dog, which he made in 1957, and it really is just that—the sculpture of a dog. But now that we know his philosophy and artistic approach. It is not a surprise that a sculpture doesn't look like a dog in real life. Instead, it looks like a dried-up skeleton of a dog. We, as the viewers, can clearly make out the different part of the dog, including his curved spine, his four legs, the ribs, and its head, which is tilted downward. The last bit, the posture of the dog, really is what encapsulates the mood and the spirit of this sculpture piece. The dog's slumping posture shows that it is totally exhausted and dejected, and its skeletal figure implies that it has been starving for a very, very long time. As it turns out, the sculpture really is very impressionist because Giacometti didn't model it after a real dog, after all. In an interview that he did since creating the work, Giacometti says that the inspiration hit him one day when he was walking on the streets of Vanves. A city in France. He suddenly felt that his existence was quite a lonely one, much like that of a starving stray dog that's wandering aimlessly around the street, no food, no direction, and no purpose. So the dog is a projection of Giacometti's feeling about himself. Giacometti 有一件作品就是流浪的狗啊，一个皮包骨的狗。Now, similar to how he made the other pieces in this exhibition, Mr. Shi Jinhua says that he intentionally limits himself to using one tube of paint for each piece. For his version of Dog, the sculpture, he reforms the metal material of the tube and shapes it into a sculpture that's similar to that of Giacometti's original vision. The one major difference, though. 
as he said in the presentation, is that he changed the subject matter from a dog to a person who's crawling on his feet. Shu says that this further accentuates the feeling of the person being on literally his last leg and a sense of desperation. The fact that despite being totally exhausted, the person still has to keep crawling and moving forward. It is a saddening and difficult sight to behold. And from this perspective, I think Shu certainly has delivered his own unique dose of emotional impact. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stroke of Light. We'll continue our conversation about the collection of artwork next week. I'm Jake Chen, and I'll talk to you then. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Alright, welcome to the feast. You beat me this time. I did, I jumped in there. It's all about beating you. You are sneaky. (laughs) Sneaky Petey. Yep. Except I'm Andrew Ryan. Okay, this is Ellen Chu. Mm -hmm. And today is our love letter edition of The Feast. So we're going to have play love songs all through, right? Of course. What are you talking about? Yesterday was Valentine's Day. I didn't Uh get the chance to tell you in person. Okay. So I chose some music just for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, he's the best. You were going to write a love letter to me this week. What happened? Yes. I... I said at the end of the program. Oh, at the end of the program. You're still working on it? Roses are red, violets (laughs) are blue, and Andrew Ryan is my (laughs) boo-boo. I like that, but I wish it was four lines long instead of three. Okay. But that's okay. Beggars can't be choosers. That's right. All right. (laughs) Um, So did you celebrate Valentine's Day? Do you celebrate Valentine's Day anymore? I mean, is that just for people who are like, Single and ready to mingle? I think so. You know, Valentine's for me now, it's kind of like, you know, my husband will take us all to dinner. Right. You have to share it with your kids. Our kids. Okay. Because like the daughter is also the father's, you know. Right. Like girlfriend, right? Oh, is that what they say in Chinese? In the past life. In a past life, your daughter was your husband's girlfriend. That's kind of weird. Right. How do you feel about that? I feel it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind. Does you he know, really like like adore her and like take care of her and like coddle her? He would love to do that more, but you know, Rihanna is not the type that likes to be cuddled by his dad all the time. Oh, not interested. Well, she would when she wants to. Oh, right. It has but to be on she, her grounds. Right. Yeah. You know, she's not the type that she would be loved to be cuddled all the time. Yeah. Yeah. She's an independent woman. She is. At what? How old? Ten? Eight? Nine? She's eight. Eight. <laughs> but she likes to be cuddled by me all the time. It's interesting. I think daughters have a special relationship with moms. Really? In, until they get to a certain age. 
Well, you know, before three, she doesn't even want her father to touch her. Really? Yeah, but after three, she started to, you know, okay, sometimes sit on his lap, you know, mm-hmm. play with him, and he started to like, you know, be a little bit like the little daughter. Mm. So, you know, daddy enjoys that and start to feel that, oh, it's my, you know, past life uh, girl girlfriend mm-hmm. really came back. But, you know, at times, you know, she she would just say, I want mommy to hold me. I don't want you to hold me. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, I think moms have special connection with their kids. Yeah. It's sometimes more physical than with dads, too, I right? I think so, too. Hugging the mom. Yeah. It's good. Yes. So Valentine's Day for you these years is more like celebrating as a family. Family love. Do kids still give, like, Valentines to each other at school? Does that still happen? Um, Not here. But, you know, back in the States, I think. Like, every year when we go back, you know, my kids will buy these little Valentine cards. Mm-hmm. And they come with, like, chocolates and everything. And they can write notes to mm-hmm. their friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, I buy it for them. They choose. And then they pack it up. And they bring it to school. But I don't think other kids do. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think times have changed a little bit back in the day. I, I, I used to feel bad if like I didn't get any Valentine's. Exactly. Or, like, it's like in your little box, right? Mm. And then you will have friends like put put little bags of, you know, uh, like heart. Remember those little hearts? Little heart candies. Heart candies. Yeah, and had, the, it just melts in your mouth with yeah. words. And then it, you'll have like different kinds of Valentine cards. It's just mm. like long ones. Yep, yep, yep. They're so cute. Very cute and a lot of fun. But like, again, like the kids that get left out, it's not so fun. Right. And then uh, in high school, middle to high school, I think you get to send like, you know, roses, uh, roses and grams that you buy from student council or exactly, different clubs. Yeah. Like we would sell them. You know, those are our money makers. Money makers. That's <laughs> right. right. And then I also, you know tried out a new stuff in my school was like you know messenger Mm. like you know like our club members will actually you know be going over yeah and help you present this message to the girl (laughs) or the boy you like like a singing telegram yes (laughs) except not singing yes and it costs more expensive than just you know writing notes That's fun. That's fun. Too. It is fun and a good way to make money for uh-huh, student council. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we do have a little bit of a Valentine's theme for today's show. Uh, shall we check out what's on our menu? All right. Let's do it. In our first course, well, of course, we'll introduce one of the most romantic Chinese idioms and legends. That's right. We've got a whole list of them, and Ellen and I are each going to choose one and share it with you. Okay. Also, in our second course, Forget about spending money. We're going to be telling you about some free ways you can celebrate Valentine's Day. Mm. And, of course, last but not the least, we will be sampling a sweet dessert from Xi'an in China whose names sound like love letter. That's right. In Chinese, they say qing shu. Uh-huh. And this is actually qin su. Oh. Yeah. We had qin su before. We're having it today, Ellen. Again? Chu. No, this is the first time. Really? Yeah. I had qin su some, somewhere. 
for today's show, Ellen Chu. Recently. She is just, yep, that is right. Okay. Remember that day we had it? We're going to share that experience later on in our program. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's have a look at our first song today, Ellen Chu. I think we're going to be playing, this is for you, (laughs) Wu Qing de Qing Zhu, A Loveless Love Letter by Tony Huatze. Fire. It's Wu Qing. <laughs> so, okay. Wait, Dong Li Huozi is what? Is a uh, energy power, the power station. Power station. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Back in a moment when the feast continues. Okay, we are yeah. back in our first course. Okay, I'm reading all these romantic Chinese idioms and legends. Yes. They're difficult to read. It's like in classical Chinese. I know. It's really hard. We just spent a little bit of time doing that last song there, trying to figure it out. Just like, you know, four lines. <laughs> I know. I mean, I did a little bit of research here, but I apparently looked in the wrong place with all the really hard ones. Okay, so do we need to read through all the idioms? I don't think we have to do it, no. I think we can just do, do each choose one. Which one okay. do you are you interested in telling us about? Qing Mei Zhu Ma. Oh, I like this one. So okay. it's like a green plum bamboo horse. Right. So <laughs> when you look at these words and you don't know what it means. But you know, you always hear that, you know, I heard this this idiom actually through my father. My father would say, Oh, when I was growing up I had a Qing Mei Zhu Ma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that time I learned this, you know, idiom. So it actually, the origin came from Chang Gan Xing, which is a poet uh, in the Tang Dynasty, Li Bai. And Lang Qi Zhu Ma Lai, so, which is the boy, rides this uh, little bamboo horse. Mm-hmm. So it's like riding around Qing Mei. Qing Mei is describing the little girl. Oh, so the mm-hmm. green plum is the girl. Right. Gotcha. 同居长干里. 
So that means like they both live in the same village. 两小无嫌猜 So the two little ones. So it's talking about two little kid, a boy and a kid, a girl. A girl, right? So they lived in same village, and the boy always riding his little bamboo horse, you know, riding around the girl.、Mm-hmm. So it's just describing this, you know, very innocent puppy love.、Mm. And 后以青梅竹马来形容 And then later on, people use that、uh, this idiom "chimei juma" to describe how little boy and little girl that they have this innocent, you know, relationship、mm-hmm. and feelings and love for each other. And then eventually, when they get older,、mm-hmm. maybe they meet the same person again and they fall in love. Right. So you know, extended to extend this idiom, there is by this other poet, which is like Ou Yang Yu Qian.、Mm-hmm. It has Wo Yu Ni Zi Yu Ben Xiang Ai. So me and you have been in love since childhood. Qing Mei Zhu Ma Liang Wu Cai. So we, uh, it's like you know, ever since we were little, we had this innocent, pure love. Wow, interesting.、Mm-hmm. And do you know people that are like this? Do you know anybody that's like a couple that like kind of were、uh, knew each other when they were little and then got back together when they were older? Yeah, I think I have classmates like that.、Mm. I have like elementary school classmate. They ended up getting married. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow! 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 That is amazing, right? And you know, you, we you probably have a lot of friends that went to high school together、mm-hmm. and high school sweethearts、oh, and they、sure. got married, right? But you know. Elementary, I think, it's a little bit more different. That's pretty hard. That's, That's pretty a long,、hard. long and then time. They, and they were like in the same class class with me,、mm. both of them. Wow,、mm-hmm. that's incredible. And they were like in contact, never disconnected. And then when they grew to maybe high school, they started to date. Wow. And then got married and have kids. Incredible. That's、mm. really, really amazing. I know. It's hard to imagine that. Like I, I'm thinking about all the people that I was in high school with or in elementary school with. Have no idea where they are now. Like if I were to run into them,、really? like it would be just by. How about your college friends? College friends, yeah, I could say that, but you wouldn't really describe your college friends as chimei juma, no, no, right? No, no, no. It would have to be from much longer ago. I would say chimei juma should be at least elementary school.、Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Middle school, maybe high school. No, no, already too late.、Mm-hmm. All right, I want to tell you about another idiom. It's based on a legend. It's called "po jing chong yuan."、Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the、uh, broken mirror is、uh, reunited or brought back together again.、Mm-hmm. So basically, this is from the Nan Chao,、uh, it's a dynasty, and there was a guy called Xu Huai Yan, right?、Mm-hmm. And his wife was called Le Chang or Yue Chang, maybe. Yue Chang,、uh, and she was a princess. And they were afraid because there was a lot of、uh, turbulence in the country, and it was breaking apart. And、uh, they were afraid that they couldn't be together again.、Mm-hmm. So they took a mirror, a copper mirror, and they broke it in half. And each person took half of it. How do you break a copper mirror? I don't know. <laughs> the whole thing I find very strange. Okay.、Um, maybe it wasn't really a mirror. Maybe it was something. Like kind of shiny and special, reflective and reflective. Okay, different it, from a mirror that we have. They don't、today. have plastic. No, no, no. And so then,、um, what they did was they arranged to、uh, come back together、uh, in the first month of the year,、uh, 
um, and go to the market where they sell broken mirrors. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and then they would meet up again. Uh, but then, because of the turbulence uh, and because of, uh, I All guess, the, the turmoil, the turmoil, the ruler had passed away. And the princess, she was sent off to a country called the Yueguo. And she uh, went into a commoner's household. And then, uh, but then her husband went to the market anyway with the half of the mirror um, looking for his wife. Um, but unfortunately, uh, he couldn't find his wife. Uh, but he did find the half of the mirror that belonged to her. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote a poem, a really romantic poem, saying basically, like, um, the mirror is here, but my wife is not. Um, so she hasn't come home. It's sort of like uh, having the moon, but with no Chang'e, who's the, uh, I guess, the deity that lives on the moon, right? Right. The beautiful woman on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she read the poem. She was very sad. She cried. She couldn't eat. But eventually, eventually, they finally got back together again. And so they described that um, reconnection or that reunion as a po jing chong yuan. So the uh, broken mirror is brought back together again. Yeah, the, I mean, there are some some things that's very strange. Like, how did she get the poem, right? You know. I mean, there's no text message. <laughs> or he tied on a pigeon's leg. <laughs> I don't know. We want the answers. If, if he already know where the princess is, just go find her. Like, go tell her. Bring your mirror already. Exactly. Seriously. I don't know. Maybe he thought that... Um, Maybe he thought that she didn't love him. He knew where she was, and he thought she wasn't coming back. And so he sent the message, and she was like, oh, no, that's... And she didn't know where he was. Once she got the message, she knew where he was. And she was like, oh. Oh. And so he's sad and went and see him. Anyway, that's a lot of speculation. Mm -hmm. Somebody used to do a... a, Like a... Research. A a telenovela Mm -hmm. about it. And um, we can watch it on TV. Until then, let's play a song. I chose another song. It's called Qing Shu or Love Letter by Jackie Chung, Zhang Shui Yo. Okay. And in the lyrics, you'll hear they have the words, uh, mm-hmm. So it's um, the broken mirrors brought back together again, and I hugged you crying. Okay. So romantical. When we come back in our second course, we're going to have some free ways to celebrate Valentine's weekend. Let's do it. Chao 怕孤独的人偏偏有爱上自由自私的灵魂 
You're listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Okay, so second course we're talking about free Valentine's Day ideas. Because it seems like, you know, if you do a search for Valentine's Day on the it's internet. It's so expensive. It's all like expensive Flowers meals. Flowers are expensive. And, you know, these gifts. restaurants are just like, you know, jacking up their prices double, but serving basically the same thing. And chocolates that are more expensive than usual. Everything is more expensive, Ellen. So Chu. you buy your chocolate before Valentine's Day. Yeah, you okay? <laughs> you don't wait till Valentine's Day to get your chocolate. Or you buy it the day after Valentine's Day and put it in the freezer. Yes. <laughs> and it turns white. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we have some very nice, thoughtful, and free Valentine's <laughs> Day gifts. This is inspired by Claire Swinarski in her blog post. So she has one here, a handwritten letter. I think that's a great idea. Mm. Nothing like a handwritten letter to let you know that the person who wrote it really cares about you and wanted to spend the time writing with their hand in a mm-hmm. pen. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I think so too. We're so used to texting that we, we... When was the last time you wrote a letter, Ellen Chu? I wrote a letter... Let me see. Hmm... It's been a while. 20 years ago? Oh, no, Ellen Chu. That's yeah. a long time. How about you? Well, you must have written like a Christmas card or something. Like yeah, when you give those, a gift. those I do. Uh, very often. Yeah. Like every month, probably. A Christmas card every month. Like, you know, birthday cards. <laughs> birthday cards. Okay. Well, that counts. That counts. Okay. All right. So number two, you can bake them something. I like doing this. I think you, you're good at it. Okay. Well, thank you. A playlist. Ooh, mixtape. Oh, I remember my exes do that. Yeah, sending you mixtapes? Yes. Do you have any of them? Do you keep any of them? I think back in the States, but probably inside my brother's garage. In a box. In a box somewhere. Yeah, but when you got those mixtapes, it was so exciting because you could see all the songs. Yes. And you play it and you think about the person like recording it for you on their double recorder. Yeah, (laughs) with the double deck. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so good. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever make a mixtape for someone? Yeah. For sure, right? Not, Not... not me. Oh, you didn't make People it? make it for me. Oh, of course. Okay. It always goes that way with yeah. you, Ellen Chu. All right. So another one here, a night together. Mm-hmm. This is nice. You don't actually have to like go to a fancy restaurant. You could just cook together. Oh, I remember. I, I actually, you know, really did a very special Valentine's dinner mm-hmm. for one of my ex-boyfriend in college at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And my roommate helped me in that too because we had our own apartment. So they helped me, you know, plan the whole thing, okay? 
we like design the invite. Wow. And then, you know, we went to buy decorations to decorate wow. our apartment. And then, you know, uh, we selected like recipes and I cooked steak, mm. entree, and, you know, salad, and then all everything. And we select like good wine. And then we had like candlelights and everything.、Mm. And on the invite, it says formal. Mm-hmm. And he came in like shorts. Oh no. Yeah. Is that the end of it? And we're just like, <laughs> oh, come on, let's just eat dinner. <laughs> You're like, forget about it. Let's just do it. That's、uh-huh. funny. Oh,、It、but all the effort、now. you make when you're younger, huh? Yeah. But now, if you want me to do that, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Give me Netflix and chill instead. Exactly. Uber Eats. Hello. Hello.、Oh. Uber Eats is my friend now, okay? We should also mention Lala Move and Food Panda because <laughs> we don't want to、really? be just commercial. Okay, we're not. From a fruit market in Tel Aviv to a fish seller in Taipei, the people of our world are working hard to make a living. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Third course. Right, we are back now on Feast Meets West, and we have something which sounds like a love letter,、mm-hmm. 情书 but it actually is 情书情书情书 Okay, this is probably like from the the Great Wall.、Mm-hmm. It's from Shanxi.、Mm-hmm. And what's that city near the the、uh, the, the Terracotta Warriors? Is called Shanxi. 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 Yeah. Okay. Is that the name of the city, or is that the pro- that's the province? That's the province. And the city is called、uh, Xi'an. Xi'an. Thank、yes. you for your geography lesson. You're welcome. That's what we have Alan Chu here for. Thank you.、Um, so this is, as we mentioned, this sounds like it sounds similar to the way you say love letter in Chinese, but it actually <coughs> is a Qin Dynasty, Qin Dynasty shortcake. So it's similar. It's called a su. So it's similar to pineapple cakes in Taiwan, right? But inside the filling is with the black paste. Black paste and sauce. Oh, it's dates. Sauce. It's date paste. puree, puree. paste.、Mm-hmm. Um, instead of pineapple.、Mm-hmm. But the outside does it taste like a pineapple cake? It tastes exactly like a pineapple cake. Hmm. Right. Not, not bad. bad, no, not bad. It's just fear looking at the black paste. I know. Okay. Our level letter has black paste in it. What、mm. do you think that means? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so, so a black center. The way you say it in Chinese is black heart, and that actually means like tainted. This, I know this person is no good, right? I can't believe we're eating this. They should change the color of it. Make it into red. Use like red dates. Hong、mm. Zhao, right? I have to say, it does taste very nice, though. I know,、mm. but I think Shanxi, Shanxi, they like the Zaozi, Zaoni. So Shanxi and Shanxi, like that's two different places. One mountain apart. 
They didn't get very creative with their mm-hmm. names. I know. And foreigners can't pronounce it because there's a different. Shanxi, Shanxi. So Shanxi means like Western Mountain. Uh huh. And then Shanxi means what? Uh, Shan. I think it's kind of like the mountain. Oh, range. Uh huh. Mm, looks like it. Mm-hmm. The character looks like right. that. So anyway, this is a Qin Dynasty shortcake. Do you think they actually ate these during the Qin Dynasty? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No, they don't know how to make shortcakes. They don't have an oven to bake it. I think the shortcake is very Western. But the thing is that the paste, they put mm-hmm. it into like uh, baozi. Mm, that's what that's they do. Right. Dumplings. They, dumplings. The bao, mm-hmm. they put the uh, red date paste. Because my paste. dad, you know, when, when we go to his relative, you mm. know, they usually have these desserts or pastries. That's like that. Your dad's family was from where? Shanxi. From the Western Mountain, not right. from the Shanxi. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so there you go. That is our Valentine's treat. Mm. Brought to you by the feast. Alrighty, so now to write love letters to us. <laughs> you can send it to us at P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. For email, send it to antroo at rti.org.tw. We will await for your love letter. That's right. Roses are red. (laughs) (laughs) Violets are blue. This is Feast Meets West with Andrew. And Ellen. Chew. Chew. Hey. (laughs) You got to have that setting. You almost didn't rhyme there. I was like the perfect setup and you almost didn't no, rhyme. It's like <laughs> Ellen Chew. You sound like you're maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear the kiss, everybody? That was for you. Okay. That was for everyone out there. All, all right? right. Well, thanks for listening. One final song today. Okay. It is called. It's a reminder for you to write to us, okay? Write a love letter. Love letter to us, okay? By Yo Hong Ming. See All you next right. week. Bye. Bye.
看就看到你，下着小雨，撑着伞，站在风里。如果我有权利，也就毫不犹豫，将在你离去前写下只字片语。心里陷入挣扎，不怕爱情也有虚假，就把情书写成是童话。Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.